Good morning. It's funny when Derek says I'm a lawyer because it's like, you feel like then you have to overcome that when you get up. No one's like, woo, lawyers, we ain't lawyers in the house. Philippians chapter 3. The message today is, again, it's, this is about being a, uh, the church, being a place where you can grow in your faith and be challenged to take next steps in your walk with God. And the alternative title that I think is on the front of the bulletin is, He Not Busy Being Born Is Busy Dying. In the words of Bob Dylan from It's All Right, Ma, I'm Only Bleeding. Um, the message today is about growing in your faith and being challenged uh, to take next steps. And what's weird about a message like this, for me, and this could just be me personally, but um, when I hear that, hey, you know, we're going to hear about being challenged to take next steps in our faith, there's something in me that always resists that. I don't really like the challenge part of things too much. You know, um, like last week we talked about the church being a safe place to work out your faith. Now, that's my kind of, yeah, I, yeah safe place. I like that. And actually, I, I thought last week's message was great because I, I feel like you don't hear that a lot in church. I, th- I thought it was just really amazing. So I didn't want anything I do here to somehow go against that, you know? I mean, I like uh, just, and if you weren't here last week, what Derek talked about was um, that the church is a safe place to work out your faith, uh, that doubts are the foundation of faith, and that um, Jesus basically tells people to belong, and then as they belong, they develop belief, and then behavior follows. And he talked about salvation being wholeness, so not just about getting to heaven, but about you know, being whole here on earth and how all of that's part of it. And the church is a safe place to work out your own salvation, as Paul says in Philippians 2. And um, I just loved that message. I thought, oh man, this is just, just great. So then I was, you know, I'm doing the message on growing your faith and being challenged. And I didn't want to be, we were just kidding. Now, you need to be challenged. I mean, that's not, but that's not the point. And, you know, as Derek said, this is really part two to that message, because the, the church is a safe place to work out your faith, but we still do have to work out our faith. That is still part of following God. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says this, and this is, you remember we looked at Philippians 2 last week where he talked about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here in Philippians 3, he says some things about himself. He says, not that I have already obtained it, all this, or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What can we learn from this? I thought, you know, I thought about this message a lot. And, you know, reading the letters sometimes is difficult because the letters say what they say. So sometimes you can feel like, what am I going to say? It's like, Paul said, press on. And so what he said was, press on. You know, it's like, what more can I add to it? But, you know, when I looked at it, I thought, okay, what are the two things we can really get out of this that we can learn, or, or a couple of things that we can learn from this? And I came up with these two. First, this, the growth and next steps in your faith and challenge are just part of the deal. And they will be for the rest of your life. I mean, that's just part of what happens is we grow, we're challenged, we change, we grow, and that's what just keeps on happening. And um, 
you know, it makes sense, though, that, that it would be like that because what we're talking about is a relationship, right? A relationship with God. But we know that that's true in any relationship you have that's serious. You've been through challenges or you've had to grow in that relationship. And probably um, the people you're closest to are the people you've had the most challenges or conflicts or things that you've had to work through and grow. Probably not the person you hear from, you know, every once in a while on Facebook that you never talk to. You probably don't have very much conflict with them. Like, oh yeah, I hate what you did in Farmville. No one really, that doesn't happen. Now, now there are people who do hunt out conflict on Facebook, but you know, for the most part, I think, you know, the, the relationships that are your closest to, those are the situations where you're forced to grow and to change and challenge. And, you know, relationship with God is no different because if you're not growing, in the words of the prophet Bob Dylan, you're dying. You know, he who's not busy being born is busy dying. Growth, challenge, next steps, they're necessarily part of it. How do we know? Because Paul says about himself, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Now, this is pretty heavy coming from Paul. Because Paul, uh, if you want to talk about rock stars in the faith, Paul was one. I mean, up above this, he talks about, I'm not going to read it, but he talks about all of these things that he did according to the old law before he met Jesus. And he pretty much says, you know, as, as, as well as you could have done all that, I did it. And yet, I just forsook all of that. So he's already a pretty successful guy. People thought, this guy's pretty amazing. But then he sacrificed all of that to follow Jesus. So he's a successful guy, and then he gives it all up to follow Jesus. And then he starts planting churches all over, including the one he's writing to here. So there are presumably a bunch of people listening to Paul and thinking, you know, I wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for you, man. Thanks a lot. I mean, he's a pretty amazing guy. And he's writing it from prison. He's in prison for his faith. So all of that, and he's being persecuted. Pretty amazing guy. Again, a rock star in the faith. And yet he says about himself, not that I have already obtained. I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Despite everything he had done, and again, he had a pretty impressive spiritual resume at this point. I mean, more than I've ever done, for sure. And he says about himself, I'm not there yet. There's still more I've got to do. I'm still not finished. Now, finished with what, though? Like, what is he trying to obtain? Well, if you look above in verse, um, verse 8, he says, what is more, I consider everything loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. So what is he talking about? Because, you know, he says, I've not obtained this, or I've not, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. What, is, what are those pronouns referring to? Well, you look above, and, you know, he says these things about gaining Christ, righteousness from, from faith in Christ, knowing him, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him. And he says that I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I think he's talking about all these things, that he's growing in all these things. Now, if you look at the different 
you know, uh, commentaries and studies on this scripture, they really focus on the resurrection part. You know, well, Paul's obviously saying, look, I'm not finished until I'm dead and resurrected. Until then, I've got some growing to do. And I think that is true for all of us. And, I, and just, you know, one thing about the resurrection is it's super encouraging, right? To know that no matter what we go through here, we do have that to look forward to. Um, because ultimately, that's where we're trying to get to. And, and I think, and I've said this before, but one of the things it helps me with is it, it kind of takes the pressure off of this life being the all-fulfilling thing that, you know, so many people try to make it. You know, if you know, all right, listen, things might not be great right now, but, you know, I am going to heaven. Now, I know that doesn't come for people when they're going through tragedy for you just to say, well, you know, but in a, sometimes it does kind of help to know, okay, well, we still have that. But I think it also takes the pressure off of this life that we can enjoy it a little bit more. We took the kids to um, Disney World uh, in May, and on the way down, we stopped at this hotel. It was like an Embassy Suites hotel or Days Inn, something like that, you know. And so, you know, we get to the hotel, and because we, we, we drove halfway, it was in Valdosta, I think, and um, we stop, and, you know, we ran across the street and got barbecue, came back, swam in the pool, you know, there was like, and it was an outdoor pool, and it was kind of not the nicest pool in the world, and people are out there with their coolers of beer, and, you know, it's just an interesting um, place to stay, and the kids, we just had a blast. It was awesome. Now, if that had been the vacation, I don't know if it would have been quite as awesome, right? I mean, if we had told the kids, hey, you're going to Disney World, you know what, though? This place is pretty awesome. I think we're just going to stay here in Valdosta. I don't think that would have gone over quite as well, but it was a lot of fun when it was just on the way to something amazing, right? And I think that's what our life is supposed to be kind of like. Like, it's a rest stop right? Like, we're just here for a while, knowing that we're headed somewhere amazing. So I think the resurrection definitely plays part in it when Paul's talking about, I'm not there yet. But I think it's also more than that, because he brings up a lot of other stuff that leads him up to, you know, getting that that prize. He talks about knowing Christ and gaining him. And, And one reason I think these other things come into play also is because I think it's pretty obvious that he hadn't attained the resurrection yet. You know, I don't think that would be something you'd have to tell people. Like, oh, by the way, guys, I haven't died and been resurrected. I think they'd be like, yeah, we get that. But, you know, so there are all these other things going on. And in one way he says, he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. Some translations say um, complete. Others say I've not attained the goal. And I think this is especially interesting in light of you know, what Derek talked about last week about salvation being wholeness and completeness. And I think there's an element here where Paul is just continuing on with that idea of working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul knew that he was still growing. He was still becoming more complete until he reached the end. And when we see Paul saying that about himself, it means that we are going to be in that same kind of thing too. We have to grow and learn, no matter where you are. And I do love, one thing I loved about last week's message is this being a safe place, no matter where you are, to do that. So if you're just coming to this and like, I'm not really sure about this whole thing, and I just kind of want to check it out, great. But what you're called to do is move forward. Or if you've been here for years and years and years, and you're like, you know what, I got the Bible pretty much memorized. I know everything. Ask me where Habakkuk is, and I'll find it. You know, I mean, you still have to grow as well. We all do wherever we are. Now, if you're the kind of person who thinks, I've arrived, 
this is kind of negative because, oh, really? Seriously? I still have more to do. I still have more to learn. But yes, you do. Because, again, Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not somebody else's. You know, it's always easier to work out other people's salvation, isn't it? Like, I know what you need to do. <laughs> but when we're talking about ourselves, not quite as fun. But the other thing it helps us realize is that this is a journey that's going to last a long time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, you know, and I've known people that have been all over the map spiritually. I mean, I know we have people here all over the map spiritually in terms of like, "Ah, I don't know whether I believe or, man, I've been doing this forever or I've been doing this forever and I don't know if I believe. I mean, you know, so we, we go up and down and all over the place. And I've seen people who are, you know, Uh, want nothing to do with God, and then become like fanatics, and then the opposite way. And so there really is an element of, look, it's not over till it's over, so we can all calm down and know we've all got to grow and get there. But if you know you're incomplete, if you know, I've got a lot to learn, this is great news, because it means, yeah, so does everybody else here. No one's got it. No one's done. No one's got it all figured out. It's part of the deal for everybody. I remember my son was talking to um, my wife, and he was saying something about having, and he was like, you know, and then you have to work through your doubts. And um, my wife said, well, you know, not really doubts, but, you know, questions, more questions. And he was like, no, no, doubts. <laughs> Actually, doubts. And, but that's the way we should be, right? It's just knowing, like, look, I have doubts, and i got to work them out. i got to figure this stuff out. We're all going to have doubts and struggles, and we're all going to fall short and have more to learn. And that's okay. In fact... That's necessarily part of the deal, is that we're going to have to grow. You know, Derek said, well, you know, share some personal examples. It'd be helpful if you shared some personal examples and how you've grown since you've been here at CCB, which is the worst thing to then have to do, because then you're like, have I grown at all? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, you're trying to think of things like, well, I think I've just become generally more loving. But, you know, and as I've thought about... Um, the different things. One of the things that came up, you know, and this was not a big deal. Like part of the, like, so, all right, one way I've grown is just, it's not even impressive. It's just more like me not being so selfish. And it, like the thought I had was um, when I first came to CCB, I was like, this place is awesome. Like Derek was preaching and, you know, and I don't mean to build him up too much, but he is awesome. No, and he, he didn't make me say that. But um, I was like, all right, this place is where I want to be. I mean, this is great. The singing was great. Jeff was up here doing his thing and it was just, it was incredible. So I was like, this is really great, and we will be here every Sunday. And then people were like, hey, you're going to join small group? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's the thing. I think for me, Sunday might just be my wheelhouse. You know what I mean? I don't have the extra thing. And so, you know, and it's embarrassing to even share. Well, first of all, let me say, we ended up getting involved with a small group. It was great. We were at Ian and Jenny. Perfect, wonderful, wonderful time. Got to know people. Now it's my, one of my favorite things we do, because you really get to know people, and you build your faith, and it just awesome. But, you know, at the time, I was like, oh, I'm going to take another hour and a half out of my schedule to go to a group. You know, and then you share it. It just sounds so unimpressive, right? It's not like I'm Job or something like, consider my servant Dan. You know, it's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal, really. But it was something that I did, and then I found out, no, this is great. This is really awesome. But then I thought of, all right, a bigger one for me, and this was a real one. I mean, not that that wasn't real, but this is more, you know, One that I really felt like, okay, maybe this counts a little more as someone being like, oh, you know, Um, was you'll find out when you're here for a while that this church is definitely a safe place to work out your own salvation. And and what happens as a result of that is 
there's a lot of trust that you're going to work it out. There aren't a lot of people telling you what to do. So I'm fine with that for me, of course. Like, yes, please don't tell me what to do. But, you know, with your kids, you get more like a little more nervous, right? So I remember, um, you know, coming here, and, um, and Jake said I could share this, so I'm not saying anything he's going to be upset about. But, um, you know, coming here, you know, we're, our kids, you know, we put them into the, the kids' classes, and we're, you know, and, and Kyle comes up to me a couple years ago, and he's like, hey, um, you know, we have this baptism class, and, you know, if Jake wants to be part of it, you know, you study about baptism and make a decision about whether or not you want to do that. And I remember thinking, like, well, all right, well, I kind of, Really? Like, you know, it just it hit me all of a sudden, like, wow, he's at that age where it's like he's got to start making these decisions. And I kind of wanted to be more in control of that process, right? So, you know, I told Kyle, well, you know, I mean, okay, I mean, I don't mind him going, but, I mean, you know, do you think he really understands everything? He needs to, you know, and Kyle said, the youth minister, Kyle, just in case, you know, it's not some random guy off the street. He said, um, well, uh, do we really, really understand everything? And I was like, hmm, touche, young man. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. And so, you know, Jake went and did the, the class and decided he wanted to get baptized, and he got baptized. And here's the thing. It's awesome. It's amazing to watch his faith. I mean, he's the most spiritual person in our house. He'd be like, Dad, should we pray? Oh, yeah, all right, that's right. I was going to say, let's pray. It's, you know, it's like, so to the point where I'm like, like I don't even want to interfere. Like, yeah, you guys just keep doing what you're doing, guys. I mean, because it's just really been an amazing thing. But for me, that was a big challenging step, you know, I mean, because if I hadn't been here, I mean, obviously, Kyle would have never said, hey, you want to do this thing, and I had to be willing to do that, and I think we all are going to come up with things like that over and over and over again, and this is a place where you're going to be challenged. Now, it's necessarily part of the deal, though, and this is my second point, because growth and challenge, if you look to what Paul talks about here when he's talking about pressing on and all this, he talks about knowing Christ, gaining Christ, being found in him, faith in Christ, knowing him, his power, his sharing in his sufferings. And this is the second thing about growth and challenge, is growth and challenge is directly related to getting to know Jesus. It just is. As you get to know him, you will be challenged. That's part of the deal. And you can't get around it because the faith we're talking about gaining here comes from getting to know Jesus. You know, Derek talked about it last week and he shared one of my favorite passages is when um, the disciples are just like, look, come and see. They don't argue things out. They don't try to just, just come and check this guy out and see what happens. And that's what we're all supposed to do is get to know Jesus. Romans says faith comes through hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. John 8, Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's always helped me to think, okay, on a very basic level, if we want to develop faith, What do we have to do? We have to listen to what Jesus has to say and try to put it into practice. And I do think faith comes from that. Because I don't think you can control... I've thought a lot about this. I don't think you can... I used to think, well, get upset with people when they didn't believe what I thought they should believe. And be like, oh, just knock it off. You're being stubborn. But I don't know if you really can control what you believe. I don't know if it works that way. If you can just be like, I won't believe it. I don't think it happens. But I do think you can do certain things to keep yourself from believing by not listening to anything Jesus has to say or by refusing to put it into practice or by staying away from it because it it challenges your life. So when people say, well, how do I develop a belief in God? I say, look, you just got to get to know Jesus. 
Read the gospel. Put it into practice. Try to live the way this guy says to live. And faith comes from that. But here's the problem with it. Is as you get to know Jesus and as you follow him, you will be challenged. Because he is challenging. It's just part of getting to know him. Jesus is amazing. He's gracious. He's loving. He's poised in every situation. He always says the right thing. There's never a passage in the Bible where he's like, and then Jesus said to Peter, what I meant to say was, that never happens. He's always in control of every situation. So you read him and it's just like, man, this guy, if I could be like this, this is just amazing. And he died for our sins so that we could know God. It's just an amazing thing. And we want to follow that. And if you know a little bit about him, you know enough to know, man, he's kind of different. I want to check that out. But he also is challenging. I remember in The Simpsons one time, Homer (laughs) stopped going to church. And Marge said, you know, um, Homer, if you're not going to go to church, I'm just going to have to tell the kids that you're a a bad man. That's my Marge. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I don't do Homer, though, so it kind of ruins the... But he... um, Homer's response is, kids, let me tell you about someone else who was known as the so-called bad man. He had long hair and a beard. He didn't always do the things other people wanted him to do. He didn't always say the things other people wanted him to say. And you know who that man was? I forget. But the point is, (laughs) I forget that too. Marsh, who was that guy? Remember he used to drive around in the blue car? And I love that because I think it's funny. But secondly... The reason it's funny is because no matter who's watching The Simpsons on that Sunday night, whether they know Jesus or not, they know enough to know, oh, he's talking about Jesus when he says he didn't always do the things other people want him to do. He didn't always say the things other people want him to say. We know Jesus is challenging. If you know anything about him, you know, okay, whatever amazing qualities he had, they crucified him. He upset some people. And even if you don't know a little bit about him, you know that. But what does that mean then for us? Is that as we get to know him, as we follow him, we are going to come across something about him, something he says, something he does that he calls us to do, that is going to challenge us. What do we do when that comes up? In verse 13, Paul says, I press on. I press on. That really is it. You want to grow in your faith and learn in your faith just when the challenges come, press on. And I want to share a story here in John chapter 6. And I'll use this to close. It's always a trick to say you'll use it to close because then you talk another 10 minutes. But like the people pay attention like, oh, good, it's over. What the? But John chapter 6, verse uh, 25 says this. Now, if you have a Bible, please look at it because I'm reading quite a few little verses here. And if you don't, then that's fine. But Derek will bring us home with the great slide at the end of the scripture I'm going to talk about. But John chapter 6, verse 25. This is after Jesus fed the 5,000. If you're not familiar with this story, it's a miracle. He feeds 5,000 people with bread and fish, and people are so excited. They are like, we got to make this guy king by force. So that's what we're dealing with. And Jesus knows this. He takes off. Like, no, 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 that's not the plan. He goes off to a quiet place to try to be by himself. Well, the people find him. They're still hungry. Verse 25 says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You were looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Here's the thing. This must be the worst way to try to trick Jesus. Like he just said, all you guys want is bread. They're like, you know, a miracle might help us believe. Perhaps bread. (laughs) But anyway. All right. Then in verse 35, they talk for a little bit more. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Then he goes down. You go down to verse 41. At this, the Jews began to grumble. And when it says the Jews here, they're Jesus' people too. He's Jewish, so are all his disciples at this time. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say I came down from heaven? Now, no, no one was asking us when they were eating bread earlier, right? I mean, no one was like, I'm not going to eat this bread. I mean, this guy's chip from, they're like, oh, good bread. You know, but now there are questions. So then skip on down to, let's see, verse 51. Jesus talks for a little bit more. He says, stop grumbling. And then he says, um, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, go down to verse 60. We're almost finished. On hearing this, many of his disciples, his disciples, his followers, said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. In verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And what was Jesus' response to this? Okay, now keep in mind, he went from having a crowd of people wanted to make him king. And now he's down to his, his last 12. His response is, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter, Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You know, this is a great little story about challenge will come and how to handle it when it does. Because these people loved Jesus in the beginning, right? I mean, he's feeding them. He's doing miracles. They're amazed to the point where they want to make him king. But then Jesus says some things that they don't want to hear and doesn't do some things that they want him to do. In short, they are challenged. He says that he's the living bread. And then he says this thing about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, which we'll get to in a second. 
But what I love is when the people, when they start complaining and they start wondering and they say, this is a hard teaching, and they walk away, Jesus' reaction is to say, turn to his 12 and say, you don't want to leave too, do you? Which first shows you how cool Jesus is, right? I mean, you went from having a huge crowd of people wanting to make you king, and in a day, you've lost all of them. I mean, if Jesus had a PR person, the person would be like, listen, we might want to tone down the eat my flesh rhetoric because... (laughs) The demographic we're trying to play to, it's not really, it's not going well. I mean, you know, it's just, but, and I would, if I were Jesus, I would have been so tempted to be like, okay, okay, everybody, don't leave yet. One more time, I'll give you bread. But then after this, seriously, we need to talk about eternity. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, do you want to leave too? And here's what I find interesting, and this is the, the point of this passage for t- this morning, is Peter's answer is, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And some versions say, we believe and have come to know. In other words, we came, we saw, we followed you, we're learning about you, we get you, we're sticking with you. But here's what I find interesting. Peter doesn't say, we don't want to leave because we know exactly what you mean by eat my flesh and drink my blood. I don't think Peter had any idea what Jesus was talking about. When he said, you have to eat my flesh and drink blood. I don't know exactly what Jesus was talking about now. And we at least have communion where we can think, well, maybe he was, you know, referring to that in the future. So what was the difference then between the 12 and the people that walked away? It's just that. The 12 didn't walk away. When they faced the challenge, they did what Paul said to do. They pressed on. They hung in there. Again, I don't think they knew what Jesus was talking about, but they knew enough to know okay, I don't totally understand. I'm presuming that they thought that. I don't totally understand, but I'm sticking with this guy. I'm not going to walk away. And that's basically our lesson for this morning. We are going to face times where we're challenged to grow and to take next steps in our faith with God. That is just part of the deal. We know it because it even happened to Paul. We're going to face those challenges to take steps and to, to grow Because we're following Jesus Christ, who is a challenging uh, person to follow. And when we face those steps, how do we we grow? How do we move forward? We just decide to do what Paul said to do and to press on. Let's pray for the communion. And um, there are communion tables in the front here and in the back. I'll pray, and uh, then you can make your way to the tables. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you that it is a safe place where we can work out our salvation. Thank you that it's a place where we will be challenged to grow, no matter where we are on the spectrum. I pray, God, that we'll embrace those uh, opportunities and that we will decide, uh, no matter what, to press on. Thank you for sending Jesus to die so that we could have eternal life. Um, Thank you for this bread that represents his body that we take to remember that. Thank you for this juice that represents the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.